Empire. Triple Play Fantasy's basketball show with Doc, Coach, and Brass Dadamas starts now. This is the Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Show, proud member of Empire Media. I'm your host, Coach James Lewis. We made it to episode 40, people. We're making big moves here at Triple Play Fantasy. We are, again, joined by the OG cast. Starting with fresh off going tit for tat with NFL PA executive director Demora Smith, <laughs> a man who doesn't back down in an argument, Brad freaking Kilgore. What's up, buddy? I appreciate that plug, man. That was a that was one of my favorite interviews we've ever had. Um, I think he had a good time, so hopefully he'll come on again. So definitely check that out. He did hit Brad with a no, 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 no at a certain point in there, and. Uh, and was dead wrong, made a terrible argument. Oh man. So make sure you guys check out that interview. It was uh it, it was exciting. And uh Kevin Coleman, you can find him at, at Dubois underscore 22. Um starting off with uh super fantasy bros. I want you to kind of t- walk us through what, what that's all about. Yeah, we're uh me and my good friend Jacob Dunn are bringing a super fantasy bros podcast to the NFL feed for triple play, and it's just going to focus on uh, dynasty, redraft, everything about fantasy football. And our first episode is coming this Tuesday, so be on the lookout for it. Kevin, you look like Waluigi. I need a haircut. All right, no comeback for that. Wow. And you heard his voice after taking some time off, conveniently after getting announced in the fantasy playoffs. Our ever so hard working E Mindy, we missed you, buddy. How you doing? It's good to be back. You know, uh, just just some some personal things in life, and uh, you know, do do enough pods during the week that I got to take a break from sports every once in a while. But it's good to be back and uh, talk some basketball. Don't worry, I'll pump you up next time to a man that works ten jobs in one day. <laughs> <laughs> wearer of many hats i t- i was telling kev these are the grind years you're gonna look back at these days and you're gonna you're gonna cherish those moments the 2021 playoffs are heating up today's podcast we spotlight the good and the bad of fans being back some injury concerns with donovan mitchell coming back it was chris paul that's struggling with a sprained right shoulder dante divincenzo out for the playoffs we recap and give opinions on all of our playoff matchups. And in our Who Ya Got, we make our Defensive Player of the Year and MVP award choices and finish with our question of the week, which is who had the greatest NBA playoff run of any team of all time? But first, a little news and notes. We are now in week two of the first round, and it's getting testy in some of these matchups. After missing 40 days of action donovan mitchell is back baby he looked pretty good in game two uh he finished with 25 points in 26 minutes kev i gotta start with you since you are the the leader in the donovan mitchell fan club yeah i mean he did all right like you know there's there's one one he came back hey i gotta give him props coming back i mean doing that after he was out 
that was pretty impressive. Uh, so we'll see. I, I mean, I, I don't – Jaw went off in that game, and they were able to hold off, and that kind of shows you something. I think the series is going to be over, but I still stand by that Utah is fraud. They're, they are frauds, and they lost the game. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see them making it past this next round. Fred? No, I think Donovan proved a lot when he came back. It's not like he came in and, you know, shot 40 shots and had 20 points. Like he was just – he came in and was completely efficient. Um, I thought he might have been used as a decoy, like considering that the team wanted to hold him out just the game prior. So I thought he was going to come in and kind of just take pressure off some of the guys to that are, you know, getting double teamed and whatnot. But he came in and he was effective, and I think they're they're going to hit the ground running from here. Um, I don't think they're frauds. <laughs> they're hmm. they're they're number one in net rating in the entire league. But um, to be honest, what I saw from the Lakers these past couple of games, they turned that switch on. I was worried about them, but they're here. And if the Lakers are going to be at full strength, which it looks like they are, there's not a team in the West that can beat them. Doc, we go from talking about the Jazz to the Lakers with no segue at all. I mean, you got to like what you see. Donovan Mitchell, the first shot he took was a three-pointer like three feet beyond the line, swished it. A couple plays later, gets a four-point play. I mean, he came out of the gate. I, I think, I don't know if holding him out game one was kind of a mental thing to really kind of put that chip on his shoulder, but it worked. He looks really good in game two, and I don't think there's going to be any more restrictions or game-time decisions barring him re-aggravating that injury. So maybe it was a strategic plan by Utah because I think even with 1-1 and giving up home court that they can still beat the Jazz in five or six, or the, the Grizzlies you know, in five or six. You know what I don't get, Coach? Um, I don't understand why Donovan Mitchell doesn't trust the Utah organization's like medical team. Like It's not like they were like pushing him out there when he wasn't ready. They're holding him back. They want him to be healthy over the long run. You know, I, I think he, that would garner trust instead of take it. He just, well, he had just practiced the three previous days. There was no inclination that he was going to miss game when he was ready, set to go. The, the entire team was expecting to, him to play. And I don't know if this was maybe a call up from the top, like seeing if they could walk over the Grizzlies, you know, them being the eight seed and see if they it could was win a call it. from the top. Yeah, buy some time. But it, it oh, at the end of the day, reported? yeah, no. they said that they said that they said the Jazz GM is his, I, I forgot his name is historically someone that is very like safe with injuries, especially with star players. Okay. So they said, so they said like he just didn't look as comfortable as he wanted in him to in the pregame, which is why I said he's going to be out for game one. But it was officially on the medical staff that held him out. So there is just, it was, it was kind of weird, but I think it, it lit a fire, not only in Donovan, but the entire team to come out and just kind of, um, prevail in that game too and I'm not worried about them in this series I, I think that it, it could go six um possibly seven but uh, I think they'll be comfortable into that second round and um Donovan just looks he looks spry he looked fresh he looked really good considering you, even, you know you missed 40 days even without Donovan the Jazz look like they're clearly the better team like it takes it takes a 40 ball from Jai to even get them close to winning you know so I honestly I, I think Utah Utah's got no problem in this matchup. Yeah. And uh, Memphis does uh, match up pretty well. Now, a tough blow. I was watching this one live. Uh, I thought it might have been an Achilles thing because it was like one of those non-contact things and his face just screamed, I'm I'm done. And that is Dante DiVincenzo. He's now out for the playoffs. Um, does this affect the Bucks' chances? Doc? 
I'm going to say no. I mean, they still look really good against the Heat, and I think it's because Middleton has taken on more of a role, especially, you know, game one, you see him take the final shot to win. I think they, I think the pressure isn't on them this year, and sometimes that's when teams will do best is when they don't have that pressure to win, kind of like we saw Virginia basketball two years ago, you know, coming off losing uh, as a six or losing as a number one seed to the number overall 16 seed, Brad repping the UMBC right there. Everybody <laughs> thought, okay, this isn't a tournament team, and they go as a number one seed and they win it all. And I, I think that's similar to the Bucks. The pressure right now is on the Nets and the 76ers, so they're kind of playing with house money. Brad? Yeah, I, I agree. I think White Dante being out affects them on the defensive end more so than it does on the offensive end. Um, and I don't even know that I would have said that before Brent Forbes started playing like Steph Curry. I don't know <laughs> where that came from, but this dude cannot miss from three right now. And um, I think Brent Forbes is going to get a majority of those Dante DiVincenzo minutes. And then I think Pat Connaughton will get the the remaining ones. So I I really think the Bucks are a, a very well-defined team. And they've got, you know, all their role players can, can step up to fulfill their starters' roles. So I... You know, as long as Giannis is good, as long as Holiday's good, as long as Middleton's good, I don't think they're going to have any problems. Kevin, some good points there, Brad. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Defensively, it really hurts if they play the Nets because they need that wing defender. They need those guys against Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, and the versatile kind of defensive team. I think that's where it's going to hurt a little bit, and I just don't think – I don't think they have the firepower to stay with that team anyway, but defensively they need they needed that help, and I think that's where it's going to hurt a little bit. They look good though. I just you're relying on Middleton, and uh, he's doing okay, but I just don't know if you're going to be able to rely on him for the series against the Nets. And uh, you are I, a hater. I just <laughs> I, I'm not a hater. I just I, I'm a realist, like Doc. I, what do you see in Middleton that says that he can lead you to like a victory? I wasn't just talking about Middleton. I was talking about with uh, Donovan Mitchell. Too, you're just a hater. You're a boomer. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I am older than you, uh, um, but I'm. <laughs> but with age comes, you know, I'm wise. I've watched more basketball than you, so I know what's coming down the way. Oh wow! Get yeah, you've been watching Kings here. basketball. That's not really. Ba- yeah, you're watching Kings basketball. That's not really basketball itself. The joke's on you. I don't watch Kings basketball, so I don't know what you're talking about. I just see the box score, see the L, and I just move on. <laughs> That's why you probably think uh, De'Aaron Fox is better than John Morant. He is. Um, he is. It, so I think I think you guys made some very good points. Uh, Don- White Dante's defense uh, stands out. He's he's solid. He he he's a really he's a good playmaker and he, he can shoot it. He's really developed into a fine a player and actually fits with uh, Holiday and in, in this team maybe even better than what Bogdanovich would ha- would have done. Uh, oh, yeah. Brent Forbes came in there and was on fire. Um, the only thing is the consistency there. He, he and he's smaller. I think that's where he he's going to get kind of abused and focused on in the next series. Um, no matter who it is, even even Kyrie could could punk him in the post. Uh, Connaughton will play those minutes. He's just not as solid as a defender. He's a little a little bit slower uh, moving laterally. And then I should you you'll see Jeff Teague creep in and get and gets a, a little bit of more minutes and maybe even play with uh holiday since holidays so, so elite defensively so but uh, jeff teague's been really bad this entire season so we'll see he what got, happens he got garbage time minutes the other night and i, I was he shocked did. i was like oh my god I, I did i forgot jeff teague was even in the, in the league right now they got to do some they got to find minutes to uh, to package in but i they do have really good surrounding parts but this 
it's going to be very, very tough in the next round. What's going on the with next. the Heat, man? Uh, it's a debacle. Jimmy Jimmy Butler is just has been a no show, and it's very surprising based on what happened last last season in the playoffs and how he was just out of this world. But um, he's been he's been bad. The chemistry is just off as a team. Tyler's not playing as good as he was last year. Neither is uh, um, um, Drogic. They they're just they're 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 just not playing well together right now. I think going to the finals and then kind of overcoming expectations is now haunting them. Plus the Bucks are ready. The Bucks they wanted this match. Miami wanted this matchup again, and and the, hey, the Bucks have been thinking about this all freaking year. And Giannis is coming. He's evolving. For me, it's like it's the first time I've ever seen the Heat, and they didn't even look prepared. Like it's like they're going, and they don't even run plays offensively anymore. Like they it's could all be done like, today. They're down three zero, and they yeah. could be done today. They, oh, this is they, being recorded on Saturday, the 29th. So we we might be behind when this this pod comes out. Like I was just kind of shocked at the fact that they had no answers, like for what for what was ahead of them. It's not like they haven't played the Bucks before. It's not like they haven't beat the Bucks before. And I know Drew Holiday is a big upgrade from Eric Bledsoe, but he's not giving them, you know, an extra 30 points difference. You know, I, I, seeing Jimmy play the way he's been playing, so passive, seeing Bam miss everything, like, I, I just, I don't know what's going on there. Well, and plus the the Bucks have, have switched their entire defensive scheme by now They're switching. switching now. Yeah. And, and Giannis as a, as a screener is being utilized a lot more. He's not... He's not driving every single time to the hoop. He's he's playing a little <laughs> bit more like like uh, Anthony Davis in these His like patented big, uh, big, drive spin. Yeah, 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 and where everybody just hones in in the middle. They've so they've they've changed offensive with their scheme, defensive, and then a lot of that does have to do with with Holiday. Holiday is just a maestro, and he's been wonderful for this team. All right, um, we'll move on. Our awards recap, well-deserved uh, Jordan Clarkson, one six man of the year, and a couple of us picked him, and it was Joe Ingles that gave him an award, which is like, a cool little teammate touch. And then uh, Julius Randle, I think he ran away with his most improved player award, uh, and his son, uh, Kaiden, giving him the award. That's is so cool. That His son is like, he should win son of the year. You know how NBA players' sons just kind of <laughs> become like – celebrities this is the new one it's, it's it little, used to be chris Randall. paul's it used to be chris paul's son for the longest time he's finally passing it's the torch and, and Bronny, zaire yeah. like and uh, carmelo's son um yeah. cayenne like they all get a little shy i love seeing that and then who knows they're all going to be in the nba uh in 10 years from now which is well, that that makes you feel like a boomer um <laughs> so Let's talk uh, a little bit about the fans. They're really back. That's cool. Um, it's electric. Thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, Trey talked about it in his press conference last night after the game. He said, hey, we fed off that energy. And he's like, it was great seeing it. And I think if it's changed games, right? Like, we looked at the bubble last year. It was like the best player's best team is going to win. But fans matter and that kind of atmosphere. And so home court matters and where they go. And that, that was brought back. So it's kind of been back to normal. So it's kind of nice to see. I love the energy, though. I love hearing it. And then I can just – I just it's kind of normal. It's back. Trey talked about it. They feed off of it. Better games. And so that's what I like to see. Brad. Yeah, I was one of those guys that like if you had asked me last year, I would have said fans don't really matter that much because these guys are professionals. And when they get out there, they're they're zoned in and focused. But seeing how the shooting has been, you know, dramatically down this year, seeing, you know, guys like Tyler Hero just 
almost freeze up. Like, I, I don't know. He's that guy runs on confidence. And this year he hasn't had it. And um, I was listening to Gilbert Arenas podcast this past week. And, you know, he was talking about the first time he heard real like F you booze and what it did to him and what it did to 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 guys on the team. He was like, you know, you go to a place like New York and you hear those those boos and those chants and they're coming directly at you. Guys start shaking. They start freezing up. So um, they definitely have had an impact. And I, I think it's it's clear to see where we're finding out who's who's more of a practice player and who's more of a, a game time player. And it's it's probably not the people that I would have guessed. And it's kind of surprising me. Yeah. And you always got players that step up in the playoffs that you weren't really expecting them to like Tyler did last year, but again, so he's hitting a, a confidence gap this year. Um, who haven't we heard from? I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Eric doc. No, I, you know, I think it's good. It's a double-edged sword though. And I'm sure we'll talk about this, you know, last year, as Kevin was right, the, the best teams were the ones that were winning the bubble. There was no home court advantage. You could have virtual fans, but you know, you see Madison Square Garden game one and, you know, Trey Young hitting that game winning shot. But prior to that, I mean, the Garden was rolling. The Knicks hadn't won a playoff game in eight years to that point. And talk about, you know, that that's kind of where the, the geographical territories kick in because you're playing in a bigger market in New York, you know, but are you going to have the loyal fans in Atlanta come out? But as we've seen this past week as well, Trey Young was spit on. There was popcorn thrown on uh, Russell Westbrook. John Morant's dad was exposed to um, some bad language. Dylan Brooks' family. Yeah, and that's the thing we need to remember is I think because we've been away from these sporting events for a year, you go back and you think that there's no rules apply, that everything's getting better with the pandemic. And you, you have to remember that these people are humans as well. And I think the league really needs to start enforcing different policies Maybe do like NHL where they have a uh, glass separating the fans and the players because you want to be proactive rather than reactive with these situations. That's interesting. I haven't heard that before. I, I was thinking more so like take away courtside seating, but I think glass makes a lot more sense because you can but, still be close. And yeah, because yeah, you know, think about it. When, when Westbrook's leaving the tunnel, that's when somebody dumps popcorn on him. Sure. And and but that, that prevents like a, even with glass, you know. I mean, you'd have to like reach up there. It's more of like an effort rather than like, okay, let me just spill it over here. Because right, like, right. If, if there's a five second window that Westbrook is walking from the tunnel, from like the entrance to the tunnel, then you have to get up on your seat, pour it over. Then it, it's fallen from a higher thing. You just prevent something like a malice from the palace from it even ever happening again. That's true. So I, That's I think the idea. NBA needs to do something like that. It, it sucks because. For the real OG fans and for the people, the 99% that can behave and, you know, boo and show their your their dispos- or their opposition in a respectful way, you're taking it away from them. But that 1% really does drive it away. And for me, I think that they need to take force into action and set an example on some of these people that are that are doing this. They need to literally have the police officer put them down on the court and and put them in cuffs and arrest them, not let them walk out and kind of get cheered along as you, you know, you throw popcorn on someone or you spit on someone. They need to, they need to embarrass this, this, these people. They really need to make it, make it a thing where like you, you just can't, you can't do this. Uh, uh, you saw that both organizations, the uh, jazz and Philly came out with that. They were banning uh, the said people that were responsible um, but it, it took a couple days and they, I think they need to 
they they need to heighten that up and and really set an example with some of these human beings because it's it's distasteful it's despicable you shouldn't be able to spit on somebody that's the thing like i don't know i don't know that like people that spit on you or like throw things at you i don't think those people can be shamed right like those are people that they have it said in their mind that that's what they have the right to do and like they're not going to get embarrassed for you know by being arrested for doing that they're probably going to take it as a badge of honor so i i like eric's idea more of like just protecting they're getting like a it it feels like they're getting like a curtain call as they're getting escorted they're just like all right come on buddy no keep keep going but it's even like 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 streakers streakers is the same thing it's like they're going out there for attention doesn't matter if they get slammed on the ground or banned from the stadium there's still going to be more streakers because those people want attention yeah but they're not hurting nobody they're not they're not disrespecting another human being of course not of course not be prosecuted like i think that will start turning it away is if you actually face criminal consequences or or if you get a misdemeanor not just oh you're banned from wells fargo arena for the indefinitely like that that when you say indefinitely, that means there's a chance they come back. They're banned permanently and they face potential consequences, uh, you know, due process, whatever you want to, you know, say that they, they did. But I, I don't think it's just like, oh, you get kicked out because, yeah, there's no really lesson for to be learned. What, what happened to being civil? What happened to decorum? Like we've been in our houses for over a year and we don't know how to. Ha- act people and never have had that man. human behavior yeah, yeah. It, but the, all of this all in one week i don't know if it, it's ever happened where in you know five different arenas there's been something this personal i mean the the i'll, I'll put a nickel in your back and watch your boy dance like the, the utah fan I like and it makes all everyone look bad like the boston fans that yeah. are you know are being racist make all boston fans it look it looks like a it likes it makes them all look terrible when it's really just some individuals Kevin, hop in on here. Well, can I ask a dumb question? Because I don't know. I'm just I'm used to asking dumb questions. How do they keep them banned for the entire like? How does that work? Because I feel like that you could just get tickets on StubHub and those type of things and come back. Uh, I know that they take away this. Okay. Already face scan them. Yeah. Security security goes over some of these things, but also it's like a lot of times these are these have been like season holders and they got really good tickets. They're like they're closer to the front. So like even if they're going on StubHub and then they're in the nosebleed, they snuck in with their disguise. They're not in the same comfort that they they used to be. That's fair. I think I as a psychology teacher, as someone who focuses on that, I just think that these people are just like Brad said, they're just messed up already. And then they get into that environment. These people, they got to get per- prosecuted, stuff like that to stay away. Because if they don't, there's not, this isn't like, th- it's not about a basketball game. Dump- dumping popcorn on Russ's head, that has nothing to really do with basketball. That's while, that guy, while he was walking off the court injured. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a, in a, in a blowout loss. Like, that's a social problem. Like, there's something yeah. wrong with that person. So, like, it's hard to, like, diagnose those things when you're when you're doing this stuff I just just stop being jackasses like I, I don't know how it is like we haven't been out of the house we haven't been able to see this stuff like stop acting like that but some of these bad people you can't fix like boston stuff like utah we've seen this how many Philly fans are the work well, never mind i don't want to talk about people's <laughs> fans base but it's just like just so many infractions yeah. that occur with this this same group man and like just this is the people. same place that we're giving two two middle fingers up to to russ like it right in front of his face and like that same person filed a, a lawsuit on Russell Westbrook. That was thrown out. 
Thank goodness. Listen, Washington's got something for him today. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Bertans? Bertans, indeed. Bertans game? Might get a 30 ball. Might get a 30 he's ball the, from my boy. He's the worst player in the NBA. All right, oh so we're going to move. We're going to do a little coach talk. Um, James Morego back with the Hornets. The undefeated reports, Jason Kidd, quote, would love an opportunity to be head coach again. And former Sacramento King Bobby Jackson is lined up to coach their G League team, the Stockton Kings. Doc, I'm going to have you take the lead on Morego. Brad, we'll have you talk a little bit about Jason Kidd and Kev on Bobby Jackson. So go ahead, Eric. Well, there's not many... There's not many times I can correct you because it's Borrego, but <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of him. He comes from the Popovich coaching tree. We've seen Steve Kerr. I'm not gonna lie. Mike. I don't I I don't really know too much about James Borrego. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna lie here. Go ahead, E. Uh, he comes from the Popovich coaching tree, and we've seen him that do pretty well with Steve Kerr, Mike Budenholzer, Becky Hammond. Looks like she's eventually going to be the first female basketball head coach, and you know I, I know Charlotte didn't really have the expectations that they expected to this year. I think they finished second to last in the division besides the magic, but I don't think he's really had a, a full lineup. I mean, I, I think a lot of the lack of talent has been botched by management. They got nothing for Kemba Walker. Uh, you know, they, they really haven't had many draft picks pan out, but I'm going to like, you know, and look, I'll be the first one to admit that LaMelo ball had a better rookie year than I thought, but He's very big on spacing, and he has some talented players. Gordon Hayward looked good this year when healthy. P.J. Washington, Devontae Max player, Graham Terry Rogier looked improved. So I look forward to seeing what he can do this next season. And Brad, what's your, what's your thoughts on Jay Kidd trying to get back into the head coaching ranks? Oh, I, this was a foregone conclusion that this was going to happen. You know, the reason we don't see Ty Lue coaching the Lakers right now is because – they were going to hire him, but they made the decision like we're going to put the associate head coaches together for you. And Tyloo was like, no, I'm going to hire my guys. I want to do this with the guys that I trust, with the guys that I want to. And that's why he's in with the Clippers now. And um, the Lakers wanted to put Jason Kidd on that roster. So um, I think it's clear that, you know, Tyloo knew, OK, if Jason Kidd is going to be behind me. That means eventually they're going to want to put him ahead of me if I you know have a bad year or something like that so I think everybody knew in the league that Jason Kidd was eventually going to be a head coach again and to be quite honest you know the way he was as a player a floor general the relationships he has with the league today you know he's probably going to be a great coach so um, uh, he definitely deserves all the chances he can get you know we look at some of the the former players coaching now they're having a lot of success so I'd like to see Jason Kidd get another shot. Yeah, he's such a brilliant basketball mind. He's a savant yeah. of the game of basketball. Um, he's an NBA lifer, and uh, I really do hope that he gets another opportunity to be a head coach again because um, he showed some promise there with the Milwaukee Bucks, and he showed some savvy. Um, but it was his first time around, and he was fresh out of the league, and sometimes you just kind of need a little bit more experience in a second time around. That's what I was going to say. And on top of that, like, I hope he doesn't rush into it, you know, like and go to a bad situation. Like I want him to go to a team that either has a high draft pick or has a lot of talent around it. Wizards. So. Mm-hmm. I would love for him on the Wizards. That would be or really maybe interesting. This, or Kevin maybe Russ? The, yeah, I'm telling you. And maybe 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 Kevin's Kings. Kevin, what do you think about Bobby Jackson getting uh getting a little opportunity as a G League coach? 
Yeah, I love Bobby because I, I grew up watching him play when he played the Kings. You know, he's been an assistant player development coach for a while. Uh, he's been within that program. I think the coolest thing about Bobby is he stayed in Sacramento. So And his cool socks are one of the coolest things ever, too. Yeah, but I, I do like I do like that he has that homegrown kind of feeling. He stays here back for the community. Um, he has the Bobby Jackson Foundation, uh, and it's a community-based organization for his mom who passed away from cancer back in 2002. I remember that when I was watching him play when I was growing up. So uh, he, he's a good guy. Uh, he's, he's a hell of a player development person. He actually has a pretty good re reputation in that area. So I like it. Hey, you know what? I mean, if anybody deserves it, it's a guy like Bobby who, who stayed – who, who, who's a great, who was a great player. He's kind of worked his way up. He's gotten that, that, that talent around him. And, and I like him. I like him as a person. So I'll root for him. Um, he'd be a better coach than Luke Jam Walton. So whoever, <laughs> hopefully they start promoting up a little bit. Yeah. He's, hey, he's, uh, Kev, what, like, what do you, what do you hate about Luke Walton? Besides like the losing. I don't like how, like, when I look at a coach, I don't feel like he's a very good leader. I think he he also when he, when he talks and he does his stuff he, he tries to be a hard ass in his press conferences and throws his players under the bus too much for me. Um, like a lot of times, I feel like the ownership of like what's going on in that organization, uh, he tries to put it on. Oh, well, they're not playing well enough. He, he likes to take shots at his guys. I don't like that. Um, and I also was a big Mike Malone fan. Like I was really okay, thought yeah. he should have been the guy, and he should be the guy still he there. Should be. He, he turned around that place and then they, and then Vlade just whatever. But I, I think with Luke, I just don't think he's very good. I don't think his X's and O's is that great either. Like when you watch them play, I mean, it's, it's okay. Uh, but he, I don't feel like he maximizes his talent. Like he's an average guy, but with that team, with the talent we have with our roster, we need someone a little bit more creative. Yeah. And I think the writings were on the wall in LA when uh, LeBron did not give a cosign on him. He's not a leader of men of this age group, and maybe it's going to have to take him some time before uh, he does get some of that respect. I, I do see him going back and forth with his players, and um, I do see a little bit of throwing under the bus um, when he does talk about them. So we're going to move on to a little plug talk. Wherever you find your podcast, go follow the Triple Play Fantasy Franchise. We got all things basketball, baseball, and football covered. Recently, our Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel has been gaining traction. If you haven't subscribed, you're missing content that drops every other day. We got everything you need. Honestly, thanks for your support, your listens, your download, your shares, your five-star ratings and comment drops. Help us and are going to continue to grind to make this podcast the number one option. Like Trey Young telling the garden, it got real quiet in here. Check us out on Twitter and IG at Trip Play Fantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions. Our weekly episode drops as well as spot interviews. Please check out our interview with the head of the NFL, PA, Demora Smith. Just want to say thanks for your listens each and every week. And now it's time for a little NBA catch up for our second week of the playoffs. And that is our impressive performance of the week. Who stepped up, made you hit the rewind button on the remote so that you could watch it again? We're going to start with Doc. For me, it's got to be Jason Tatum. You know, I think Woo! everybody thought I think everybody thought that the series was going to be over in four based on how the, the yeah. second half of the first game went in game two. I mean, the Celtics were down 19 to four yesterday, and Jason Tatum really put the team on his back. I mean, it's a playoff career high of 50. He had uh, 50 points. He shot 
excuse me, 16 of 30 from the field, 15, five, of, five of 11 from three, six rebounds, seven assists. I mean, he's really the go-to player on there to get a bucket. I think the only one really you can look at that maybe can get their own shot is Kemba Walker, who certainly didn't do it yesterday, shot three of 14. Evan Fournier shot six of 12, but Jason Tatum once again showing why the Celtics should build around him and not Jalen Brown. How about yeah, that, and he, had, and he had the garden rocking. My, what was so impressive to me about that performance last night is that on several plays, he put KD in a blender. And, like, you, you, we saw uh, KD blocking his stuff all throughout game one. And uh, for him to kind of to go mano y mano with, you know, maybe the second best human that plays basketball on the earth is very, very impressive on Jason Tatum. I knew he was going to have one of those games, but I, I, this might be this might be it. Uh, Brad, someone has stuck out to you this week. All right, I'm going to read you the stat lines of the last three games for this player. Oh, 34 yeah. points, 13 assists, 42 points, 10 assists, 37 points, 5 assists. First game, 5 threes. Second game, 9 threes. Third game, 5 threes. I'm talking about the one and only Dame Lillard, man. He um, he's he's had to be the guy on Portland. Nurkic is kind of hit or miss with with Jokic guarding him. Um, CJ is somebody you can count on, but the the um the Nuggets are gonna they're gonna key in on somebody. So they've been switching Aaron Gordon onto Dame Lillard, and that just hasn't really mattered. It hasn't really slowed anybody down. He's he's been efficient. He's been their energizer bunny. Like he's been everything that you expect of Dame. He's one of those guys that you can always count on. Like you know, LeBron or KD. Like you just know that they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and it doesn't matter who's defending them. And that's a rare, a rare talent. So he's a guy that I think he's he's made me rewind the the TV a couple of times already. And um, I'd be surprised if they didn't find a way to pull this out. They just got too much talent against that Denver team. Mm, and they're down two one, so that yeah, that they are interesting. Kev, yeah, you know this is a kid that I've actually really starting to like is Trey Young. Like I know I didn't really like. I, I'm not a big I, Doc calls me a hater, but you know I, I Trey used to drive me nuts because I felt like he shot a lot, he was inefficient, but he slowly, if you look at what his games have done in this playoff series against the Knicks, against a very good defensive team, he put up 32, 30, 21. His plus or minus for the series is plus 14, which we usually don't see with Trey because sometimes he can he can go off a little bit and do some things. He had 14 assists in the last game, 10 assists yeah. before. Uh, he's getting everybody involved. He's shooting just around 48%, almost 50% from the field for the last three games. So he's been there. And in three-point-wise, he hasn't jacked up a lot of threes. He's been pretty efficient there. I think they're trying to take that away from him, and he's letting the game come to him. So I think you're starting to see some maturity, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing him grow up in this series, and that's what playoffs will do for these young guys. Uh, so, and I love that. So, I actually I watched that game, and I was like, man, he's starting to mature, and you can tell he's he's getting there, and that's exciting to see for these young players. Yeah, he's a he is the bona fide leader of that team, and they feed off of him. He has so much swag on every single play. I I love the majority of this. I've always loved him. And to Kevin's cool point, to like him. he would literally shoot his team out of games, like. Yeah. Somebody told him in like the pre-draft process that he was like a, a baby Steph Curry, and he he tried to shoot like it. Like Kevin said, like somebody got to him, and somebody told him to let the game come to him, start distributing the ball more. The shots will be open later, and he's like, he's cut like nine threes a game down to like four. Like he's well, he's really 
and not to mention he hit, hit the hit the game winner in the garden yeah in, in his yeah. first playoff game like so he, was cold. I, I love i love that shout out and for me my performance of the week is also a player that's still maturing and getting better each and every day and that is the luka Doncic, my second favorite player in the league game one 31 10 and 11 chill triple double Game two, 39, seven and seven. Game three, they just lost, but he had a, a 44, nine and nine last night. Uh, the kid just is involved in every single play. And when you're playing against the Clippers with the likes of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you think, oh, they, that's a perfect matchup to slow Luka down. But uh, in, in game number two, he scored on eight different matchups. It don't matter who you put on him. He's going to give you problems, uh, in, including four or seven on Kawhi Leonard. Um, he's also he, he's cold. He's also leading the league in tears for the ref. That dude is <laughs> he's become like unwatchable to me. Like he's always crying. Like he's he's putting up superstar numbers and he's a superstar talent, but he's just not getting the calls like a superstar gets. And I think once he does start getting those calls, which will probably be next year, he's gonna be unstoppable. You're he's too effing he's watching small. too many LeBron's videos. Oh, he could, yeah. you know to to to. Look Pat Bev in his face and say Ooh. you're too effing small. I, I just love, love the chip on this kid's he's shoulder. So can you believe how confident that dude is? He's barely like oh my old God. enough to drink. I'm excited as hell right now, just thinking about what he's been doing to this league. And the maturity is here in year number three. Year number three for all these players usually is the big, big difference maker. And for him to, you know, go top five in the MVP race last year, you're not really expecting a big jump but no nah, he's just he's better he's his better. only holes the only holes in his game is um free throws and three-point shooting and both of those will come they stop they stop running plays because rondo knows every single play so like carlisle's kind of just like letting luca do luca things and he he has every single defensive schematic uh assignment mapped out in his brain he just sees everything slower than everyone else and it just it reminds me a little bit of, of lebron james but Almost yeah. even more impressive at this, at this oh, yeah. young at this young age in his career. Hey, can all we right. hold on? Can, can yeah, go we ahead. all agree that Pat Bev's? I'm done with him. Like we, yeah. I've been done with him for a while now. But he's his act and who he is. It just frustrating to watch. Like he's he's not good at basketball. He he doesn't my, do uh, enough to be a starter. My guy, my guy, Russ. He said yeah. Pat Bev trick y'all, man. Yeah. All he does, all yeah. he does, is run around and be pesky. Yeah. Like that's not a real NBA talent. I mean, yeah. not, don't get me wrong. He deserves to be in the NBA. He should be getting NBA minutes, but he's not this defensive stopper that people make him out to be. Yeah, and I think that's their weakest position with him, Rondo, and Reggie Jackson. It's like they all can sprinkle really good things, but if you put them all into one player, then you got a good point guard. But it's just it's hard to find rhythm in minutes when you know you're doing that balancing act, and each guy's getting 15, 20 minutes. Uh, per game, and I think that's also, a, one of the biggest void for the Clippers. He's also not shooting the three as much or as well as he was yeah. in years prior, and, and that's like, that a was big, my huge thing. He, yeah, yeah, like he was always like a three and D guy, and now he's just D, and the D is. He was also he was also averaging like five or six rebounds for a guard. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Which, which is which is really good, but it, it kind of seems like he's taking a step back on that. Yeah, and um, before we move on, Job Morant should get a shout out. I know they lost, but he had forty five, and he's just playing at a very, very elite level. And you see a huge growth and maturity, and just a second year player, and the bona fide leader of his team as well. So, um, we're moving on to a who you got segment, and this is a most valuable player. Uh, we haven't touched on this in a, in a while. 
I mean, it might be a foregone conclusion, but let's talk about it a little bit. Who you got are candidates are your Steph Curry, former two-time MVP, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic, and Doc, we'll start with you. So I think you have to go to Jokic because of the team's success. Like, I use it as an elimination. Embiid missed probably 15 games, and in a 72-game season, I think you have to factor that in. Even though the set, the 76ers were number one in the East, they still have Ben Simmons, they still have Tobias Harris, Seth Curry played well this year, Doc Rivers is a great coach. Steph Curry was really good, and, and he came on towards the end of the season, and you could give him the award. But the Warriors probably didn't even make season, too, which is yeah, weird. But he was a former unanimous MVP. But the thing is, he didn't even make it to the playoffs. So I don't, I can't remember the last time an MVP went to a non-playoff team. I think Jokic played almost every game, averaged close to a triple double. The Nuggets really came on in the second half, finished in the third seed. They had like an eight hundred or a eighty winning percentage with uh, Jamal Murray after or after Jamal Murray tore his ACL. So I think by yeah. process of elimination, you have to give it to Jokic. Yeah, he played all 72, and they were 13-5 and five, uh, without Jamal Murray. So, like you said, um, just a cons- consistent win. And to finish the third seed in the Western Conference is just unreal. Kev, who you got? Yeah, yeah I'll be quick. It, it's it's the Joker. I mean, when you just – you stole my stats, so I don't really have anything to say. He went 13-5 and five without Murray. So, I feel like if, if we're looking at MVP valuable, once, once Murray went down, he was able to keep his team. They made the playoffs. Um, it's Jokic. I agree. I, it's between Joker and Embiid, and Embiid has had his number one or his, you know, his sidekick the whole year. And Ben Simmons and um, Joker lost his, and I, I just think it's it's clear that you know this is a regular season award, and the formula is always like, you know, excellence plus you know top four or five seed, and um, I think it's clear that. Jokic has had to do more for his team than Embiid has. They're both deserving, but if you got to pick one, it's definitely Joker. Yeah, Jokic, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 57% from the field, 39 from three, 87 from the free throw line. Um, He's again, almost playing, a 50, 40, 90 guy as a center. It's, absurd. it's ridiculous. And he almost, you know, averaged double-digit assists as well doing that. And he's a sneaky, all right defender. Like, he gets so many steals. He gets his hands on things. And we all, we know how slew-footed he is. And that's kind of the only unfortunate thing about Embiid is that he is such an excellent, excellent defender. If he does play all those games that you – probably give the nod over him because he's a more impressive defender. But uh Jokic is no slouch over there. This is um this is one of those those situations where like the analytics guys are not watching the games. Like the stats will tell you like analytically, you know, if you look at his defensive rating, Jokic is not that great of a defender. If you watch the game and you see what he's actually doing out there, you see it's a different story. Like he he matters. You you look at what he's doing to Nurkic this this uh this postseason like he can make some very prominent scores become like the second and third options. To be fair, he wasn't always like that. Like he he was a mismatch last year. He got exposed and he showed up out of training camp, out of shape. Remember, we were all making the dad bod jokes. This is very recent that he's become a decent defender. That's true. Hey, hey this just saying, I just looked up. He is 15th in the NBA in defensive rating. Yeah. Which is. That's, that's that's damn good. It is damn good, but over his career, it's like like Eric said, it's much worse, and he's kind of kept that 
that tag. People still say he's a bad defender, but he's he's really come about this year. Speaking of defense, this is going to be a good segue, and I don't think it's going to be as clear-cut as this latest decision, and that's who you got for defensive player of the year. Our candidates include Rudy Gobert going for the 3 P, Draymond Green, who's no stranger to this award, and Ben Simmons. We're going to start with Kev. Well, you know, I'm mean, I Ben Simmons. Before, I before, he goes, before he goes, let me just say I agree with Kevin. Okay. <laughs> Say, you know, you got Simmons. You know, I'm going Ben Simmons. He's he's averaging just under two steals a game, about, about a block. Uh, you look at his uh, defensive rating is 104. Uh, you just look what he did. His team defense is second. That's a lot of him. And I want to be – I want a versatile defender. I've said this a million times, and he's a versatile guy. He can guard every damn position. He does it all. It may not always show up in the stats. It may not show up in the blocks. It may not show up in all that. But if you watch the games, like Coach is saying, I don't know how you – or excuse me, Brad, not Coach. Coach don't watch the game. So if you're watching this and you watch the games, you know Ben Simmons is a dominant player out there. You know what he brings to that team. He deserves it. Rudy's fine, whatever. But Ben is Ben deserves this this award. He deserves to get recognized for being one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Doc, hop in there. I'm with you on this one, buddy. Yeah, no, I agree. I think with MVP, we see with voting that that people get voter fatigue, that even if someone deserves the MVP year after year, they're going to give it to somebody new because – you know, it's kind of a, a narrative. You know, what was the best storyline? And Rudy Gobert is having similar stats to what he had last year, averaging the same amount of defensive rebounds, around the same amount of steals, almost a block more. You could give it to him just because of his size and impact he has on the game beyond the stats. But like Kevin said, Ben Simmons has the versatility. You know, he, he can guard all five positions. Uh, he's averaging over two steals a game, I think, this season. So... And the 76ers are the number one seed. Once again, I think you got to factor in record. And he really held it down when Embiid was gone. So maybe Gobert wins it, you know, the, the lion's share. But I think this year you got to give it to somebody new, and that's Simmons. All right. So I guess I'm I'm solo. I'm in an island here. It is, it's got to be Rudy Gobert. Um, and to me, it's 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 not close. Um, the defensive rating. Uh, Rudy Gobert is is six <laughs> points better than Ben Clo- Ben Simmons. He has a 100.5 defensive rating. Ben Simmons has a 106, 106.1. He also played in every single game this year. Ben Simmons uh, with 13 less uh, games. Uh, he also has Embiid to, to help back him up. And I remember uh, a little back and forth. Simmons has been been taking jabs at, at Rudy Gobert. He says, I mean, Rudy Gobert guarded me in Utah. I have 42, and apparently I'm not a scorer. <laughs> and he, he's, he, he talks S with the best of them. But um, when Simmons really was on – when Gobert was on Simmons, he was 3 of 7 shooting. He had three turnovers and nine points on – and on again, 3 of 7 shooting. So, like, yeah, okay, he had 42. But when Gobert was guarding, you turned the ball over three times, and you missed four of your seven attempts. I think that because of the defensive rating, that's where the voters are going to go. So that's why I kind of think he is going to win this award for the third time in in a row. So and, I mean, and Rudy, I, Gobert is, Rudy, Rudy Gobert is 7-1, though, and, and figure he has like a 7-5-ish wingspan. You're going to have a more impact on the game just because, just because of, of the size you are. I think when you actually watch the game, I mean, if, if somebody is, is doing well, that then it'll be like, all right, Simmons, switch on him. Like, Simmons, go guard Kyrie Irving. 
And That's you can't have Rudy Gobert do that. If you have That's Rudy not, Gobert guard Steph, then he does Twister. It's not that Rudy Gobert is not deserving of, of the Defensive Player of the Year award. He very well may win. But if I'm deciding who had the best year defensively, if it's two guys with a you know good reputation of defense and then one of which can guard every single position, I'd lean towards that one. Like Eric said, like if somebody's getting hot, you put Simmons on them. If somebody's getting hot against Utah, you better hope it's their center. <laughs> and and for the and for the record, uh, I love Ben Simmons as a defensive player, and uh, I love his versatile. He goes and guards the best player on the other team, so, wing, big. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, but I think just to statistically wise, he's going to win the award because being six points better at, on your defensive rating is just such a right. wide margin that the, the voters aren't going to ignore that. Um, but but yeah. shout out, shout out to Draymond Green. We didn't say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. Once oh, again, yeah. like he showed, you know, how he just impacts the game so much more than the box score, man. Yeah, their team just wasn't as good as these other two guys. So I, I think it's clear that he's not really in the running. But I think him even being in the finalists is kind of a nod to him. Like, hey, man, we see you. We see what you're doing. And he had, yeah. he had a really great year. And Rudy Gobert almost destroyed the league last year because of COVID. So I can't – I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, touch and shit and gave everybody COVID. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a whole mad against him too. Yeah, and we can't forget we're having a playoffs and getting kind of played off the court in that um, yeah. in that Denver matchup when they were up 3-1. So let's let's check in uh, playoff check ins. We're recording Saturday again. So this is the current status, starting with possible brooms out sweep alert. We're going to start with our local team. And this is the Philadelphia 76ers against the Wiz. Philly is up 2-0. So uh, to me, we've got the Wizards who have actually they've kept up with with Philly, you know, both games. Um the first game they got Embiid in foul trouble. The second game, uh, the, the second half kind of got away from them. And when you get zero points from your your sharpshooter and Bertans, that's that's a recipe for a disaster. When you know Russ is, yeah, he had a, he had a bagel. Uh, when when Russ is out, that hurts you as well. And I'm sure he's going to be ready for this game. I don't know which game they're going to win, but they're going to win one of these games at home. They're not going to get swept. Russ and Brad are too good for that. They're too competitive for that. That's just not going to happen. Um, I'm feeling a little less confident they can squeak out a win, though. I'll be honest about that. Yeah, and Russ has not been good, even in the play-in game. Like, he's not he playing what, like, in the ben, last ben three weeks. Yeah, it's it's tough, and um, you just don't like to see that type of stretch from him, especially in the playoffs, and especially when he was playing probably some of his best ball of his entire life. He, uh, the he month got him before there. the end of the season. Yeah, he did. And Brad not being 100% definitely takes a big blow because the defense can really hone in on Russ right now. But he's been he's he's been inefficient, and uh, his also his kind of like his uh, body language has kind of been off for the team and. He's like, I see him look at Ish Smith sometimes on a drive, like, what is this Bama doing? Like, that's just not the greatest. But it, I mean, his, his supporting cast is boo boo. So, um, Kev, what do you think about the Wizards? They getting swept? Yeah, probably. I like the Wiz. I give him credit getting there. Uh, but Philly, yeah. frick, Philly's good, guys. Like, they are damn good. They are legitimate NBA final uh, team. So, like, losing to them, losing to them. I mean, that's there's nothing to shame of that. And, they, and they've been playing, you know, they're doing those things. But uh, Philly is freaking good, and I love watching Philly play. Yeah, I, will that- say, I will say, though, 
the Wizards have like a very, very bad defense this year. Like their their game is to outscore you. It's not to make like to have any stops. Yeah. So I I don't know that the that Philly's gonna look this great, whoever their next opponent is. Yeah, but but the top of the Eastern Conference has been completely dominant, and the, the top three uh, seeded teams are very very dangerous and could be there in the finals at the end of the day, and can give whoever comes out of the West a really tough run for the money. Uh, and that leads us to our next matchup, which might be a sweep. And it's even closer. This is three. Oh, by the time the pod comes out, they might be already in South beach. And that is the bucks versus the heat. Kev. Yeah. We talked about them earlier, but I, what I will say was, uh, I was going to mention when I watched them play the other day, there was one, there was like two series that really stood out to me. One is that they got a, a shot clock violation because they just weren't in sync on offense, the heat. Like, it just looked weird. And then they came down, and they were kind of yelling at each other and stuff. Then they came down and gave up a wide-open layup. And then they called a timeout. Spo was pissed. But there's just something wrong. And then after Bam and Jimmy Butler, I think they went like 12 for 61 or 13 for 61 the first two games. There was something. It was crazy inefficient. There's just doesn't seem to have that same thing. I know they dealt with COVID in the middle of the year. Maybe like the the chemistry is off. There's just something not there. Uh, they need a guy. They really need like Bradley Beal, uh, but they need someone there to kind of step up in, in next season in the off season. Who knows? They need maybe, guy. maybe Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, you know they, they're going to need someone like that. But you know, it just they just look off, and the Bucks are playing well, so you got to give them credit. Brett. Yeah, man, I I think they were hoping Tyler Hero would would blossom into Bradley Bill, and you know he's he's what twenty twenty one now, like he still very well could turn into that, but he's having his sophomore slump this year, and it looks bad. It it doesn't look like he's losing confidence, but the coaching staff is losing confidence because they're not giving him the same minutes, and the only way you're going to get better is if you play. So um, I don't know exactly what they need because I'm so shocked at how different they are from last year. Like Jimmy's not even the same player this year. So I I can't, if he's not going to be the Jimmy that literally carried this team into the finals last year, it's fair to say that you don't necessarily even have a core right now. Like he's going to be your, your two or three for whatever you set up because Bam's in the same situation, right? Like he doesn't look as good as he looked last year or even during the regular season this year. So uh, I, I don't, I don't, I truly don't know what to make of the heat. I feel like they could win today just because they're, a big mystery, but if they lost, that would surprise absolutely no one. Yeah, and I mean they have a lot of t- a turnaround. Uh, they got Kelly Oubre. I mean, uh, Kelly Olynyk was traded, and you had Jay Crowder last year who was on flamethrower mode the whole playoff Coach, series. That is a great point. They could really use Kelly Olynyk right now. Yeah, what a man. Yeah, what a player. And not and uh, back to the Tyler Hero thing. It's not like he's playing terrible, like he's not good. Uh, it's just he was not playing on that same level he was last year. And we really – you would want an increase instead of kind of being stagnant. And in the bubble, in the playoffs, in that atmosphere, he thrived because all he does is love basketball. But I think some of the limelight, some of the – you go to the finals, mm-hmm. maybe your girlfriend might be like the hottest girlfriend in in the league maybe that affects you a little bit i it's like you said like I, i'm not giving up on the dude like he's he's got so much talent that you don't you don't give up on somebody that scored 37 in a huge playoff game for you as a rookie like you just you let him take his lumps and grow but i just don't know why they're not giving him the minutes they're not giving him the minutes they're not giving none the minutes Dragic is playing very well but 
he's not even starting. Like he'll come off the bench and give you starters minutes. Like I, I'm those potations. I don't know. Really, I don't really know what's going on there. Like he's got to he's got to work on getting having an identity. Like the team yeah. doesn't have an identity right now, and that's something that that they thrived off of last year, and they don't have that now. And to your point, coach, like that Kelly Olynyk trade is looking real funny in the light because when I when I think of like how different a team they are now, it's pretty much they were doing all the things that Kelly Olynyk does. Well, they went so in maybe, on on Victor on Oladipo, and he's not there to help him out. So they what they went in on that's, him. That's true, but even yeah. like during the end of the season this year, they weren't this bad, you know. And when things slow down in the playoffs, when you're up against a, you know, a defensive squad like Milwaukee, a, a, a team that's as long as Milwaukee. You could use a stretch for like Kelly Olynyk, who does all the dirty work, hits the threes, makes the passes, gets the boards. He's just a really underrated player. And and the Bucks are just ready. They're ready this year. They wanted this the whole time, and it's kind of that the rematch where like you know a boxing a fighter loses, but then next time Anthony Joshua gets knocked up, but the next time he just whips his opponent's ass because of that comp, that motivation. All right, so we're going to move on. Uh, this had a potential sweep occurring. As the Nets were just rolling at home, and they're playing Boston, and Jason Tatum just dropped 50. Uh, where do you see this series heading? I don't think we'll spend too much time on this. Brad? Nets win, but that game that they lost against Boston is really showing me exactly why I don't think this Nets team can win the, win the East, let alone the championship. You know, mm-hmm. when they have – any hints of adversity and they need to get those stops they're just not going to be able to do it they don't have that cohesiveness they don't have that scheme yet and they're just straight up a bad defensive team outside of kd so and bruce brown so i i think boston is obviously not going to win um this is a great game from tatum but he's got to he's got to have that all the way for the rest of the series for for that to happen and and i don't think it will kev yeah, I think realistically, maybe go six. Uh, maybe the Boston, you know, Tatum goes off one more time. I think the Nets are going to win. But, you know, to Brad's point, I think I'm slowly coming around on his thing with the Nets. Like, I always thought they were most talented. They have those three guys. But I'm so excited for that second round. Me it's, too. It's, it's going oh, to be a bloodbath. And, I, yeah. and they're, they're going to go at it. And that's why I kept saying that first seed was the most important because Philly's just going to be chilling. They're going to play much. the Hawks or the Knicks, and they'll probably win in five or six. And yeah. then they're going to get a tired-ass Nets or a tired Bucks team who just went through a battle. I can see that next round being seven. But that defensive stuff is, yeah, is worrisome. Uh, and their cohesiveness, it, it's interesting. You know, Boston plays pretty hard. So I can see it getting the six. Uh, and I got Nets in five. Uh, I think they win the next two. Um, they win the next one in Boston. They go home and they they take care of business and they rest up um, as much yeah. as they can. But that series is going to jump off right away because I see both of them kind of putting it into both of their series pretty quickly. And we'll all be locked in. That might be the most intriguing second round matchup that we'll have. Um, no doubt. I mean, nothing's set in stone, but it, it's it's happening. <laughs> All right. Speaking about nothing set in stone, this is a, a Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. They're tied up, locked up 1-1 in, in a series where, you know, typically a, a, a team with the best record in NBA doesn't really have too many issues here in the first round. But um, Utah getting Donovan Mitchell back and the Grizzlies just playing at a really high level. It, it is interesting. I think we kind of mentioned our takes here. So we'll be kind of brief, Brad. 
Yeah, it's it's like the same thing with the Celtics, right? Like Ja and Tatum need to give you fifty for your, for them to even have a chance, and that's not something I'm I'm willing to bet on. So I I think Utah takes this. Yeah, and Dylan Brooks had a beautiful thirty-one point performance, and I don't think you're going to consistently get that. And he made me eat my words as I kind of kind of trashed him last week. Uh, Kev, yeah, these are still NBA dudes. Uh, no, I, right. I think Utah. Utah should win. Um, I, I'm not. I, I as much as I don't see like I, I love watching Jaw to develop. Like I think Jaw's kind of like with Trey. Like they're developing now in the playoffs, so that's an interesting kind of environment. But that's where I'm at. Yeah, and Bogdanovich being um, being there this time and healthy, and yeah. then you know you got David. Dave, uh, you got Favors uh, back. You have a real eight deep lineup, and they, everyone knows their roles. And I, I think they take care of business. And Favors is five or six. Favors has been in the league a long ass time, right? Ever. And he's still like 26 or 27 or something. I feel like Like I get him on 2K all the time. And I'm like, how is Favors still on this? How am I trading for him, Trade Finder? Yeah. (laughs) And he's only getting like 18 minutes a game. Like, I I really hate, I wish he would get like those starters minutes again. I used to love Derek Favors, man. Uh-huh. Uh, he started last year, but he, he is probably one of the best backup bigs. And Utah, that was a huge gap last year. They didn't really have, they they didn't have that, and they had to play Niang a, a lot at that big. Imagine if Miami had Favors like in their same situation mm-hmm. right now, like yeah. they'd be so much better. Yeah. Um, now this is one of the most intriguing matchups coming up next, and that is the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers is kind of just kind of going back and forth. Uh, Denver is now up two one after uh, losing the first matchup. Brad, who you got in this series? I think you mentioned it earlier. I did. I um, it's it's really a, a gut thing and like a feel thing. Like I have no data to back it up and. <laughs> If you even would look, if you look at the data, like net rating wise, um, defensive, well, yeah, net rating wise, Denver's the better team, and that's even without Jamal Murray. Um, but I, I just look at the team, and when a teams when teams are this close, when they match up this well, I tend to go towards the side that has more talent at the top, and I think that's clearly Portland. You know, you look at CJ, you look at Dame, you look at Nurkic, they're getting stuff from. Austin Rivers, they're getting stuff from Anthony Simons. Like, I, they're getting you know, stuff from you know, Covington. You know, Austin Rivers plays for Denver, and he was the reason why they, they won. Uh, yeah, that's game I'm, my bad. My bad. Anthony Simons. They're getting stuff from Anthony Simons. You didn't they're mention Melo, though. Carmelo uh, yeah, had They're over getting 20. stuff from Covington. They're getting stuff from Melo. Like, you really, they're a deeper team, and they're a better team at the top. And um, I just, I have a feeling that that's going to outlast Denver. But but like you said, like they're down to one, so um, this, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Denver pulled it out. This series has seven games written all over, and it sounds like Brad has Portland in seven. Kev, yeah, it's gonna be six or seven. It probably will go to seven. Uh, I just man, CJ McCollum needs to step up his game a little bit. Like he's been kind of inefficient. I mean, he had a plus mm-hmm. minus of minus twenty three in that second game when they lost by nineteen. Even mm-hmm. last night. He was in it. He was eight for twenty in the third game against them. Like CJ's got to step up, and he has not looked very good this season. Trust me, I had him on my fantasy team, uh, and he was injured. <laughs> and it just he he's inconsistent, and and Lillard's really stepping that up. But I I really like what Denver's done, and I think that I think that they are talented, and and I think these coaches are pretty evenly matched too. Like yeah. I like both these guys, and they make adjustments very well. You'll see it, and that's where the key is going to be, where the adjustments come. You. To your point, Kevin, like 
this is the only series where I see both teams actually running plays. Like it's kind of it's kind of wild. Like you can see where the coaching actually is. Like even even in Miami, like Spo is known for being you know a mastermind mm-hmm. and an adjuster, but all they do is like iso ball and and pick and roll. Like it's it's been it's been tough sledding in these playoffs. Like we're watching a lot of blowouts because teams are just running circles around each other. But yeah. not in this Portland Denver series. Like we're we're seeing two great talents go at each other and also yeah. two great coaches, and it's been great. You got two top five, top ten players in our league, and they are playing at very elite level. And it just kind of d- depends on whose whose night is it. These games have been close, and I, I, I got Portland in seven just because I feel like they'll figure it out. But I could, I could see Denver winning in six. But it, even if they won in six, I think that every game is going to come down to yeah. fourth quarter, last five minutes. And uh, I agree, a really, really love, good series. If you love basketball. This is the series you watch. Like, if you love like basketball, not the stars, not the all that stuff. Like, but if you just love the game, that's right. This is the series to watch. Yeah. You know what it looks like? It looks like women's ball. That's Mm -hmm. what the series looks like. Yeah. Yeah. The good sets. Um, they they work Mm -hmm. well together. These teams have played for a very long time together, actually. So, like, you can see that they have because they have consistency, they work well, they talk very well, they have this star-studded guys. Like this is actually probably the most underrated series of the uh, of the of I the wish playoff. I wish it was in the finals and not the first round. Yeah. I feel like both of these teams could could do something, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, all right, our next matchup, Hawks and Knicks. Hawks is, are up 2-1 in this series, Kevin. Yeah, this has been oak. This has been fun. Uh, you know, when yeah, you're watching fun. the I, like I talked about Trey earlier and the Knicks are there. I think this is going to go six or seven. Like I could really see it going to that. I just think that these guys are pretty evenly matched. I still think that the Knicks have the upper hand because, you know, Randall hasn't played very well. So yeah. Julius Randall has not played great. He has not looked good. Uh, even RJ Barrett, he's kind of been MIA too. So I think they figure that very out. So, so I, I'm still leaning the Knicks, but in like seven probably. Brett, I I agree with everything Kevin said. And um, the thing for me is like, what do you feel like you want to bet on? And I I feel like for the Hawks to have won these games, they've had to have bad games from Randall. And I don't want to bet on that continuing just the way he's played this year. And then another thing we haven't seen is the Knicks shut down defense. Like that's a top five defense we watched all year. And they show spurts of it in this series maybe even for a whole quarter. But when the fourth quarter rolls around, they're not getting those stops. They're not shutting Trey Young down. They're not they're not stopping Bogdanovich from hitting the three. Their their spacing's bad. Their rotations are bad. Like we're not seeing the Knicks that we're used to seeing in the fourth quarter. And I, I think that's gonna get fixed. So I'm gonna take the Knicks long term. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Hawks here. I know I, last week I took I took the, the Knicks in seven and wouldn't be su- surprised me. And the reason why I'm taking the Hawks is because Trey Young is the best player on the court, and Julius Randle is struggling a little bit. Um, plus, I li- I just like the the fit of this whole team. Um, Gallo playing well. Hunter looks like he's he's healthy again. He he had a couple drives to the basket that was very impressive. Herder, you you just know what you're gonna get from him. He's just very consistent. He can drive. He can shoot. Um, he's a pretty good defender. Bogdanovich is clicking. Capella does Capella things. It's honestly, John John Collins is getting lost a little bit in this series, but uh, it's just showing who the true alpha is on that team. And so I got Trey Young, uh, but I could see it going either way. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Hawks in six. And we'll move on to the most intriguing matchup. And the Clippers got back um, in the swing of things with a win in Dallas. 
to make this series 2-1. If they lose that game, it is all over. And um, with player options coming in the summer, uh, Luka, Debo, Doncic is uh, playing his role as as playing the best playoff basketball of anybody thus far. What do you think happens in this series? Because it's it's cranking up a little bit. That was a huge, huge win for the Clippers last night. Kevin. You know, I was going to be interested to see what you guys thought here. I feel like they're playing Rondo way too many minutes, you know, 26 minutes that he got last night. I mean, he's been playing okay. Um, he, I know he had a great, a good, really good plus minus, uh, but it just is – they're weird. That, that team is weird. Like, they don't have, like – I mean, they got the two top guys. And if Paul George does what Paul George did last night, then they're going to be fine. But I think that's the that's the kicker. It really relies on Paul. Um I still don't know how the Mavericks keep winning these games because they don't really have very much talent on that roster. They got Luka, and then it's kind of like, you know, Hardaway's okay. Uh, he's Porzingis, been playing amazing. Hardaway's yes. really, really, really good. Porzingis, but he's always step his shit up. Hardaway's always been like that, though. Like, the reason he's Hardaway is because, like, he'll have a, a game where it's like, oh, wow, he just dropped 35 and he was money, and then the next game he'll have, like, 12. Like, yeah. he's just not consistent, and you need consistency in the playoffs. Yeah. Everything Kevin said is the reason why I'm picking LA. Like, at the end of the day, Dallas is not a good team. No, <laughs> Luca Luca is incredible, and he's he's really carried them. But in the playoffs, you need more than Luca, and eventually they will have more than Luca. And I think when they got Porzingis, they thought he was going to be Luca's Batman. But um, Porzingis has he's kind of been a non-factor. He hits his threes and he spaces the floor really well, but he's not really out there on defense. And um, I, at the end of the day, I LA is way better. Um, they have all the talent. Um, they're rested. They play better defense, and they've got two or three players that can can outscore Luca. So I, I just can't. If if Dallas wins this, I'll be shocked, and that's a lot to say considering they're up two one. And I'm rolling with Luca and the Mavs on this one. Um, they, it just the chemistry does look more impressive. Ibaka, after spending a lot of time injured, he is looking very rough. And when he was, he's just I think starting he's out for the center. playoffs now. Really, yeah, um, I think so. I and that's that's heard. And the the point guard carousel that they they they, they keep throwing out. Um, I think it's going to take a Paul George step up performance, and I'm just not going to the bank on that. And I think Jalen Brunson is giving you wonderful minutes off the bench. Tim Hardaway is playing lights out. He's flamethrower. He's making everything. Uh, Porzingis is 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 out there. He's healthy and he's not really producing too much as far as statistically is concerned. But he still is seven three and he is long and he's better than Zubats is. Uh, so I just Finney Smith is one of your really good three and D performers. He he can actually hit the three now, which was a huge step up from last year. Like you just didn't even guard him at all. And uh, I just think Luca is going to find a way and it's really going to create some type of uh, hey, conversations on how damn good he actually is. Coach, what do you think Dallas needs to become a championship contender? Uh, I think <laughs> I don't know why I just thought if they have Giannis because that was all sure. if they have Giannis they win the next six championships but I but that's I but that's like a real answer do you think like they need another star do you think they just need shoot it like what do they need I think they need a a, a star that they thought Porzingis could be uh, so somebody that's just consistently going to be able to be on the court I mean it, Brad Brad Beal of course just comes to my mind as he could be a player that puts him over the edge and with Luca 
being able to guard, you know, one through four um, and just being such an elite playmaker, you have a lot of options that you can really work from. And who knows, maybe Kawhi is like, I want to play with this guy. And that would be a perfect fit because okay. um, the Matador is a true bonafide leader where Kawhi is kind of just chill and reserved. And that would be a perfect compliment to each other. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I haven't really given it too much thought uh, because those are kind of things that I think about in the off season, but those are just my random thoughts that just came right now. What do you guys think about adding DeMar DeRozan to that team? That's interesting. I guess a realistic kind of free agent. The only thing is he, he, he's better with the ball in his hands. He can't still can't shoot the three. I don't know if that's the greatest fit for Luca that you, I think you want, you want somebody more, um, Paulus is a three-point shooter. I was going to say, like, I don't think he puts anybody over the top, like, in the league, but he's somebody you can always count on. He's very consistent. Um, yeah. I like the Rosen to Miami. I just thought about that right now. I would. Think, I, I think, I think like Miami – I don't know what Miami needs, man. They, they've really <laughs> confused me. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. And I feel that same way about Dallas. Like, I just don't – that's why I asked you that question. Like, I don't – I know Luca is a, you know, a franchise player, and he's their unquestioned number one, and will be with whoever comes in. Yeah, but they're not good, and I think they know they're not good, and that's why everybody's so like jacked up in Dallas. So they're like, okay, wow, we can really beat LA because they didn't think they actually could because they're not good. They, but I don't know what they need. I don't know if they need a big. I don't know if they need more shooting. I don't know if they need another star. I don't know if they need another score, another defender. Like, I just don't know what their deal is. I would say John Collins, but John Collins, but to me, he's just not deep. He's just not. He's the I don't think he's, I don't he's think like he's Porzingis. worth the money. Yeah. Except he's, I feel like I just have he's more. He's better. Uh, he's a little better. He, he can, I, I just trust that he'll be on the court. <laughs> sure. You know, yeah, yeah. And, be, and, be, and, be, and be healthy. But no, that, yeah. that, that poses a, an interesting question. We'll see how some of these players develop. And hey, he's only in his third season. He's he's like 22 and a half. Like we have a, we, we got a long, long journey when it comes to Luka Doncic. And I think he'll be in that Mavs uniform probably his entire career. So our question of the week, we're just going to have to save it for, for next time. We ran, we ran over a little <laughs> bit, but our, our greatest NBA playoff run will be coming in a future episode, and we'll be, uh, we'll be prepped up for that. And um, Gentlemen, you guys have anything to say on our way out? Uh, you know, Suns, Lakers, uh, LeBron, stop, 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 stop being LeBron. Oh, stop. Don't do this. Don't open that just, door right now. Just, just stop being LeBron. Just oh, get out. Golly. He's yeah, completely message. dominating that series, by the way. My message is to make sure to subscribe to the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube feed. Absolutely. And again, we love your listens each and every week. We appreciate you. And we will see you 